We toured with uh, with Project Eighty Six near the in, near the end of our nice. Oh, really? Nice. Right on. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll get into that. This is a good teaser for the beginning of the episode. Welcome to Church Jams Now, the podcast where three former youth group kids and current music nerds deep dive into Christian music from the 90s and 2000s. I, of course, am your co-host, Kylan Savage, and with me, as always, is Mr. TJ Smith. That's my cocktail. I'm, what, what I'm did pouring you do? a drink right oh, now. Oh, you're pouring a drink. Okay, yeah. perfect. And our beautiful producer, Josh. Hey, hey, guys. Hey, guys, hush. Stop talking. You guys are talking way too much. We have a guest that we're very excited about. From Sons and a bunch of other bands that we're going to get into, and also a film and television composer extraordinaire, we have Aaron Newberry here. Welcome, Aaron. Woo woo. Morning. <laughs> Morning. <laughs> it's eight thirty at night. It's interesting yeah. times. <laughs> so you just woke up. That's what you're telling us. Oh man, uh, twelve twelve years ago. Yeah, that was probably true, but not today. I'm a grown adult now. There you nice. go. Aren't we all? A little bit. <laughs> yeah, it hurts every time uh-huh. I think about it. Yep. <laughs> well, hey, thanks so much, Aaron, for coming on the show. Happy to be here. We're super excited. I know in our group chat, uh, when Josh told us he got you, we were just like, we were all pretty stoked. Because this is the podcast for like very like niche. We were just talking about this off mic about like, we can't really say we've met like celebrities. <laughs> Right, but, but to the people us, that we meet, we have. it's so freaking cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It would it would not go over well if I went home and told my girlfriend that people refer to me as celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> Which that's not that's not even what I'm like supposing that is happening. I'm just it's uh it's it's it is cool. It's very niche, and uh, the fact that you guys are excited just shows me that you're incredibly rare human beings. <laughs> yeah, well, I think we we understand that like. You know, there are a lot of people who have lived entire lifetimes with the passion that they have for the music that they made, and we're just stoked to talk about it. And so right. we love the opportunity to, like, get into the the nerdy stuff and the weird stuff and the fun stuff. Yeah. Right. It's exciting. Yeah. yeah. As, like, three musicians ourselves, you know, um, who grew up in 90s and 2000s Christian culture, it's just cool to, like reanalyze a lot of this music that we grew up listening to um either as children or even in high school and stuff and uh you know sort of re-examine it where we are in our lives today and just talk about music that's really what this podcast is was an opportunity started during the pandemic conversations that we were just having anyway (laughs) of like sharing albums and talking about stuff so we're super glad you're here today to do that with us Man, I'm excited too because it's like a blast down the past for me, and it's also an opportunity to recognize, you know, there's a lot of people that were involved in making Sons something special. And I feel like getting to do these interviews, it's really important that I remind people of all the people that were involved because yes. there was a time, there was a time where this thing really felt like mine, mm-hmm. and as I've grown up, I've kind of, you know, it's kind of cringy to think you know, what, you know, my mid-20s self 
did as a collaborator. So, you know, <laughs> right. I'm in a way I'm almost I'm here to clear the air. That's oh, perfect. <laughs> Let's perfect. gas up everybody that was behind the scenes or <laughs> on the front lines with you. Happy yeah, to but be. Uh, so before we get to that, I want to kind of jump in. So we usually start our interviews with a little bit of an origin story. So like, where did you grow up? How did you grow up? Like what, and specifically what music did you listen to growing up? Because our show is like uh, very much about Christian and Christian adjacent music. So I'm always really fascinated by uh, what kind of music was in your household growing up? Bro, Amy Grant was on blast. Um, <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah, P.O.G., Point of Grace. Um, nice. <laughs> nice. Uh, I, so I grew up in a Muskogee, Oklahoma. You're an Okie from Muskogee. Literally. And I'm, <laughs> I'm, you know, there's not a whole lot of people. It's like a small little city. It's mm. like too big for its own good, but too small to like really make a dent in anything that matters. <laughs> I sure. Get that. But yeah, you know, grew up Christian in the church all the time. Like, bro, I lived there like for real. And um, it was a lot of just adult contemporary like stuff, you know, say for the whole family type of things. Oh, yeah. That was <laughs> yeah. the KLTY tagline, the, the station in Dallas. <laughs> I Same tag. So w- once we started doing ra- rodeo, or rodeo, radio, I started learning a bit more about how that stuff went went down. But I, I remember, I'll never forget the first like heavy music I heard. Which it's hilarious because I would later go on to play for the band who was my first concert, which was Spoken. Yes. Nice. Nice. I saw Spoken at the First Assembly of God in Muskogee when I was 15. And I was like, yo, this is crazy. (laughs) And then from there, I remember going to Mardell and getting like this, like Solid State 2, like their, their sampler. Yeah. Nice. And that's, and then that's when I was, you know, Exposed to Ludicrous, uh, yes. who would then become <laughs> We've Norma Jean. Quite a bit about Ludicrous. I like the pronunciation uh, <laughs> yeah. effect that you utilize there. Yeah, <laughs> not not to be confused with Luda. So <laughs> no, yeah. very different. <laughs> but yeah, and then there were, and then to kind of tie a bow on it, there was a spot in Bartlesville, Oklahoma, called the Warehouse, and they had the best fucking shows. Like Tim Tim Hudson ran it, but Tim Cook was kind of like a an arbiter of it. I think it was kind of his thing, but Tim Hudson managed it. Tim Cook, for those who don't know, managed POD and Blindside, among others. Hmm. And I don't know if you know that POD was like one of the biggest rock bands in the whole dang world at mm-hmm. one point. But <laughs> they brought in amazing shows. Like I I remember passing out at a Blindside show, uh, <laughs> front row, like in like right on the stage it came up to like your right here it was it made <laughs> it made the band that you were seeing feel larger than life like i'll never forget yeah. when i saw project 86 for the first time like i was low-key like scared <laughs> like <laughs> and and we would sons would later go on a tour with like a late iteration of project but he bro like honestly to this day i find andrew schwab quite intimidating <laughs> so understandably stage presence sure. yeah 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 <laughs> so yeah that's kind of the that's how, that, those are the the bridges or some of them at least hmm. that got me kind of into like music that was christian that didn't suck so <laughs> that's awesome so i want to go back i want to talk about spoken a little bit 
What do you remember what album you first got from them? Echoes of the Spirit Still Dwell. Mm. Mm. Back okay. when they were on Metro One. Yeah. yeah. These are deep really, cuts. Those yeah, are yeah, for sure. Like that sure. ludicrous and that spoken record. Ludicrous that's some and old school spoken, stuff. Yeah, exactly. And that's and awesome. Matt Matt was just on the uh, Tooth and Nail. The um, what's Labeled what's the podcast? podcast? Labeled. Labeled. Yeah, yeah. We've been talking yeah. to him too about getting him on this show too. So he's a good dude. Gonna, he's a great. We're gonna dude. get that later this summer. Yeah. So yes. spoke. So I grew up in uh, uh, Arkansas, like around Fayetteville, and so spoken and like the wedding always open for spoken, and those are like all yep. the best shows. So <laughs> another uh, band I briefly. I know. I know. So we talked to Kevin, and uh, I don't know. Did you play? Because I know they did the whole, like, sort of, not reunion show, but in, like, 2017, they did a show. Um, the and, reunion, the 10-year. Yeah. I don't know. Did you play on that show? I don't know. I I don't live mm-hmm. anywhere close to there, so. No. And as a matter of fact, this is a true story. This is really what went down with them, with, with the wedding. Let's go. I went to see my friends in Chasing Victory after I stopped touring with them, and they were playing... Uh, the wedding was opening. I loved the wedding. Adam, this is like true story. Adam from Chasing Victory, first song blows his throat out. And oh, Michael man. from Chasing Victory goes, uh, they all called me Dewberry. Um, <laughs> and so, hey, Dewberry, we need you backstage. And they asked me to do like be the vocalist for this set for Chasing Victory, which was like wow. altogether fucking rad and also like terrifying. <laughs> right, course. right. Of course. So I did it. I had a blast. And Trevor comes up to me. He's like, yo, that was so amazing. Blah, 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 blah. So I had just stopped playing ever so briefly with a band called Morning September. And I went to – I'm trying to trying to remember – uh, that kind of like solidified me as a guy that could play with a band or whatever. Right. And so Trevor asked me to come try out on drums because I think it was Clint was leaving. This is true, bro. The same drummer that replaced me in Morning September, I didn't even get to play with the wedding because I literally went play. I rehearsed with them a few times. And this happened like three or four times in my career, right. including with Azalea Dying. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, I wanted wow. to talk about that too. I, I read a Jesus Freak Hideout interview you did in 2010, yeah. and you like you said, yeah, I played it as I lay dying very briefly, and I was like, okay, I want to know about this. <laughs> yeah, and at low key, like I'm just again clearing the air here. Like I went, I did, I rode with the wedding to Florida. It was a long, <laughs> long drive. They played. Clint played. I did not play. Mm-hmm. We came back. And then Joe, the drummer who replaced me in Morning September, would then become the drummer for uh, the wedding and then would go on to play for Red. Oh, so, okay. yeah. yeah. He had my number on drums. He's a way better drummer than me. So. <laughs> <laughs> you just warmed him up and then he took over. He's like, thanks, Aaron. I'll take it from <laughs> yeah. here. <laughs> yeah. You did the yeah, hard I can play, work, man. Right. Yeah. You did the hard stuff, yeah. the setup. Yeah. I loosened, I loosened the cap. <laughs> exactly. That's it. That's it. <laughs> yeah, so you you've got like based on everything that I've kind of uh read and and seen uh, about you it seems like there was this period of time where you were like almost like a I don't know, I I I have the image of like a like a lone gunman, like a gunman for hire in the wild west of like <laughs> 2000s like 
emo adjacent bands where you just like bands hopped on and just like did a bunch of stuff is that just from like hanging out with people just like i mean like being a cool dude and being great at what you do or you know how did that happen or do you love being the hired gun there was a time where i enjoyed it because i got to travel i got to play music um it was low stakes i wasn't Mm. a good writer really yet so the first few bands that I just played for, you know, I went from being a drummer to a guitarist um, and then started playing more guitar. And it was just me meeting people and becoming friends with people. And it it really wasn't on purpose. The intention was always to try to, like, find a band to join and be in. Right. But it was – my career was mostly, like, sk- like scathingly close to, like, way bigger success than i was able to have myself right hmm. boy do i get that <laughs> did you guys ever hear about that band brighton you remember that band brighton right yeah that uh, sounds rings really a bell. i feel like kylan you should seems... they were kind of blowing up and me and the drummer became friends on aol what through... year is this oh yes 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 Oof, 2000 and roughly five okay oh my gosh okay 2000 yes. uh, i'm thinking seven it had to have been before 2007, I think. Cool. 0506, number one gun dude, Jeff did all their records. Mm, mm-hmm. oh, cool. Became friends. I rode out with Chasing Victory because I was like co-managing Chasing Victory, sort of. Spent a week with this band, and it was just like the worst. Like, <laughs> we just did not vibe at all. Oh, no. And they dropped me off at no shit the whiskey a go go in LA to meet back <laughs> up with chasing victory and that's how i ended up with chasing victory for a whole year so oh my god nice yeah what what time in chasing victory was that is that like between i call this abandonment and fiends we were touring on i call this abandonment and they were awesome tours uh one of the first tours i was on we we were playing with like the fold and project 86 Nice. And um, another one, you know, we we did a lot of shows with The Showdown and Maylene. Man, oh my gosh, nice. the best one was when we went on tour with Classic Case. So Josh uh, from nice. Beloved uh, was playing for Classic It was, dude, they were so good. Classic Case still slaps, so. So good. That's yeah, so, yeah, so, sorry, talk- cut you guys off. Oh, no, no, I was just, I want to hear more about, I'm a big Chasing Victory. I'm a big Fiends yeah. guy specifically. Like, I'd love to hear more about, like, Josh, this Just may be a surprise, time. but I'm also huge on Chasing Victory. I don't hey, think I've ever guys, said that. I didn't know that about you. Yeah. I'm, they're, they're still one of my favorites. Go ahead. Uh, I'm not as familiar. Yes. <laughs> Josh and I have I, stuff I, in common. Yeah, yeah, high five. Five. I know. Uh, I know. I know. It's wild. <laughs> it's wild. I, yeah, I'm so... This just feel. I just, I just have to point out real quick. This just feels like early to mid-2000s, like christian music bingo i feel like yeah you're we're just like throwing out names that <laughs> yes. are just like deep cuts for everybody else but i'm like loving it <laughs> like, yes, like i know that, that, that band that. and this band and this band yeah i know it's we so should good. make a bingo card of just all of bands career, career. <laughs> yes. for this episode that would be so good <laughs> i like to i've coined myself kind of as like a like a a cheap ethan luck you know, Ethan, <laughs> okay, like, all, all right. these yeah. bands that were like legendary, and he actually got to oh, be good. in those bands. That's and I so just kind funny. of, you know, was like a was a moment. The Ethan Luck Jr. And, yeah, <laughs> TG, TG Maxx. Incredible. Ethan, Lux. Oh, Ethan Luck Light. Oh, I love that. But chasing chasing victory, it was. I remember, dear, like this is a wild story as well. But like 
we were close. Like we were homies. I wanted to be in the band, but I also wanted to do this Sons of God thing. And I remember jumping off tour with them after a, a year. We figure aided this the country like two and a half times, really. Mm-hmm. Wow. And they were starting to write Fiends. I moved to Atlanta and Fiends came out and I it was such a good record. So underrated. That record is so damn good. Oh yeah. And Michael's dad had tragically passed away suddenly. Mm. And they call me and they asked me to basically be in the band. And I was just like over the moon. And we were literally mm. like 10 days away from going out with August Burns Red. It was going to wow. be like the sickest fucking tour ever. Incredible. And I was like, I was hyped. And I'm not kidding you. Within 24 hours, I got a call and they were like, never mind, we broke up. Oh. And I was just like, oh. But I was red shattered. <laughs> absolutely broke my heart. Yeah, of course. And and I'd already kind of made plans to leave Atlanta. So at that point, I leave to go play for a band called So Long Forgotten for a few mm. months. I love So Long Forgotten. Me too. <laughs> That's incredible, man. Yeah. That's amazing. So I was what, playing did all you play the Cameron's guitar? parts. Yeah, I did. Okay. Wow, cool. That that band made me a better guitarist. Oh yeah, I'm sure they got chops, man. They do. That's awesome. What a weird like pivot from, (laughs) like, stylistically, you know, like I feel like that's quite a not a not a huge departure, but enough of one that it must have been a shift for you. It was all the same to me, honestly. Um, Really? Yeah, band was a band, and whatever they needed, I could do it. You're you're just that versatile a player, and and you can just like adapt and pivot. I mean, I want to say yes. I'm guessing you up, man. Really That's what we're doing aggrandizing. on this <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I've always desired um, a lot of breadth and depth to myself and my listening. Like, I'm making right. R&B stuff right now, and I'm making a lot nice. of, like, straight up, like, pop and, and hip-hop, like, probably... All the music I'm making now, if if your only context was of me as as sons, you you're it's gonna it would probably be sh- a bit shocking to some people. So, <laughs> and that's always excited me. Yeah, so, I love that. Yeah, like, like don't pigeonhole me. I'm Aaron. Well, and I think the cool Deal thing because you mentioned not being like <laughs> super solid in your writing in those early days. Like, I feel like, I mean, is there a better way to hone your writing chops than like? playing with all those bands and seeing how people write songs and approach them and all that, like just hitting all those different bands, you get so many different perspectives. It did. It made me versatile and it made me, um, it also, it still a lot of confidence. Like every time one of those bands asked right. me to come mm-hmm. play for them, it yeah. was like, Oh wow. Okay. I still deal with that. Like right. I get to, I get to work with some, some bad people. And I'm still in the, these rooms sometimes. I'm like, yo, am I? should I be here? And <laughs> that voice goes away more and more as you stop thinking about yourself. Mm. You stop being you, – you start being able to exist a bit more in these rooms when you just exist and you're not thinking yeah. about being there, you know? Right, so, right. You don't you know, kind of get stuck in your head so much. Yeah. And so to the versatility point – the real change for me, and this is really funny because I just saw Copeland live like two weeks ago, but I was playing for a hardcore band. I was like 17, 18. It was Tulsa. It was in my friend Joel's skate shop. 
and Copeland's opening for us, and I have no idea who this band is at this point. And I could see them through the window as I'm talking to my girlfriend on on the phone. I go in and I catch two or three songs, and they absolutely blow my mind. And that's when I was like, oh, it doesn't have to be heavy. Hmm, it could be right. melodic and like really thoughtful. So I started, that's when I really started gravitating away from the heavy stuff. Mm-hmm. Even though Chasing Victory would come into my my life. I wasn't a member of Chasing Victory except for 24 hours. So <laughs> the final 24 hours though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The final it down. Yeah. I, I did. I really did. You know, <laughs> I, I would later go on to almost reform sons with two former members of Chasing Victory, but that didn't work out. So. Oh, uh, wild. Hmm. Yeah. In, in, in the multiverse somewhere, there's a version of sons with. Yeah. It could have been cool too. Could have been real cool. <laughs> yeah. So does that take us like into Sons at this point? Gosh, you're so good. You're such a good producer. Thanks. <laughs> That's what I was going to ask. <laughs> well, I I think I would be remiss. I I think I've played for some other bands that I should throw out really quick. Oh, please, please do. Yeah, please take do. Us on the journey. Come on, we got to finish the bingo card. Yes. Yeah. So to so to clear the air in 2007 ish, I I remember moving to Grand Rapids and I I played for the best band I think I ever got to play for was wow. called The Tide. The Tide was managed by Mark LaFay, who managed Taste the Day and Still mm. Remains, mm. because our singer was a former member of Still Remains. His name's Steve. Okay. Oh. And so that lasted about six months. On my way out, I get a call on the drive home from Grand Rapids to Oklahoma. Mark's like, hey, I got you a gig with Asley Dying. And I was like, I, what? I'm sorry? He was like, are you cool playing bass? I was like, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And so I remember getting like a DVD of Phil playing through seven songs. And this is like, I had just seen them play main stage at Cornerstone. Wow. And I'm, tr- I'm trying to remember which, what the album, what the albums are. Oh, seven was An Ocean Between Us, I think. Mm-hmm. I think, so I think they were working on An Ocean Between Us. Okay. Uh, because I remember singing a couple demos for, for some of those songs. What is crazy is I was never a member of Asley Dying, and I never played a live show with them. That was something that I just kind of allowed to be, you know, a in the ether, and I right. I just didn't correct it ever because <laughs> it looked really great on my resume. It's yeah, yeah, resume. exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, but later in life, I started feeling weird about that shit. So, why is it is it because the lead singer went to jail for? So <laughs> trying to trying to assassinate his wife, but that, I mean it can't be that, right? Surely. So not. the whole the whole situation was wild because I'm not kidding you. Nick picks me up at the airport. I'm under the impression I'm the only person showing up for this gig, but oh, I shit yes. you not. Me and Josh are sitting there like 10, 15 oh, minutes in. No. We both think maybe we're just like there as the hang for the band, and we realize we're both trying out at the same time. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. That's what fucking happened, bro. <laughs> oh, my and God. I stayed, I stayed with Tim and his wife in their upstairs <laughs> oh, bedroom, dog. Crazy. And I'll never, I'll never forget it either. I was nervous beyond belief. Of course. I, I don't think I actually had the chops to be in that band. And Josh was the right fit vocally. I wasn't, but I'll never forget. I was at a McAllister's Deli on <laughs> 71st Street in Tulsa, Oklahoma with my friend Nick Dillard when I got the call that I wasn't going to get to play with them. Oh, and dang. that bummed me out. Uh, and then, you know, 
and then it didn't. Uh, yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then after Spoken, I went out with Everyday Sunday for like two or three months as their drummer. Oh, nice. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. So did it start where you were like playing drums in the beginning and then like transition more to like guitar and bass? Yeah, I was primarily a guitarist after after a while. Okay, nice. Did you start on drums though? Was that like your primary instrument? You would say? I think technically I started on trumpet, and then I picked up the drums okay. uh, as I got a little older. And I'd always plucked around on the piano. I mean, I know we talked about my mom having you know Point of Grace and Avalon and mm-hmm. Stephen Curtis Chapman and all the greatest you know Carmen. Yeah. yeah, but. I remember my first true loves were when I found the Michael Jackson Thriller record in my grandparents' basement. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, probably destroyed their vinyl, but, you know, lo- <laughs> loved what I could hear of it, you know? Amazing. And that's, I think that probably is a large reason why I'm doing what I'm doing now, subconsciously maybe, but yeah, Everyday Sunday thing didn't last very long. That's when I started going more full tilt into doing Sons of God. Okay. Um, but when I moved to Nashville to really pursue Sons, the final band I really gigged for was Cool Hand Luke. I played guitar for Cool Hand Luke oh, for a while. Oh, yes. Nice. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. We, yeah, Incredible. we have to cover Cool Hand Luke at some point because oh, we're this has come up a, lot, a couple yeah. times. I, I think, yeah. don't I have Cool Hand Luke as a wishlist album? I hope list? so. I think yeah, so. I hope so. I'm pretty sure I do. I mean, uh, if if you can't get in contact with Mark, let me know. Okay, so. we'll do. We will let you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was a bummer for me. That's cool. Well, it was it was really brief. Somebody else did the full ter- farewell tour, but I did like five or six shows, mm. and it sucked because the shows were really cool and fun, and Mark and I were really gelling. Oh yeah. But that's when, like, right as we became friends, he and his wife decided to move to fucking Orlando oh. <laughs> to <laughs> go to seminary. So I'm, this is a constant wow. theme. Is like I got yeah. I would get so close. So close. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's why, that's why I finally just decided to just be, you know, try to focus on my own thing. So Yeah. 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 You toured and played with a lot of these bands. Are there any, were you involved in any, like, the writing for some of these projects? Or, like, whether songs, or can you be like, oh, yeah, that riff in this song, I did that one. Like Yeah, Dirty Deeds, man. Anything? No. Actually, very much no. I think... I tr- at some point I tried to do I tr- I wrote a song for Spoken. Oh cool. But it was it like it was not quite their vibe. Mhm. I and it's it's a cool song actually still, but that was like after I'd left the band and yeah, yeah. And also to clear the air, did you guys ever hear that I like briefly played for Terminal? Is that has no. that been out there? Oh, no, I, I didn't know. I that. didn't know. No. <laughs> okay, so la- last Another aside. Band. <laughs> yeah, when everyone marooned um, Travis, he started putting the pieces back together. I had just stopped playing with Morning September, and I think we met on like AIM or MySpace, who knows? <laughs> but I ended up going down there and playing with them. I spent three or four days there, and the intention was we were about to go out on tour, and like Homebe just like never called me, just never <laughs> no. called me back. <laughs> So that was another, you know, that was another one like notching my belt. Like you could <laughs> kind of, you could kind of squeak away or through the truth by saying like I've played. Technically, I had played <laughs> with Terminal, 
Right. But right. it's shady as it's shady as fuck looking back on it to be like, yeah, I so I did not it I didn't. I I rehearsed with them. Hey, at I'd best. still put it on my resume. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, like you played an instrument with them. Just yeah. it wasn't in a venue. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Who cares? So <laughs> so I think I think we've covered most of the most of the bands that I've I played for through the years. I think so. I don't know how there could be any more. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, I want to get into Sons of God, into Sons, and and your your solo stuff because yeah, you talked about you weren't super confident in your writing ability, and then what kind of happened to get into into all of that? Um, I think I just really, I think I really wanted to be, so I just yeah. wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote. It was all I did when I was in Nashville. And some of those became that home wrecker thing that I did. Mm. Yeah. Which I feel like are good songs with bad recordings. Which, well, that's fine though. It's like the same thing as like, you know, if the songs are really good, I, I don't know. I have the same sort of mentality of like, uh, you know, the whole 90s indie film thing of like, like Kevin Smith's Clerks is like objectively yes. not well made. That's but fair. It's so entertaining. It's so good. Like yeah, I love. That's. Are you trying to tell me that you like the record, dude? Okay. Well, I wanted to. <laughs> yes. Yes. Of course. <laughs> yes, uh, and I wanted to ask because you you said you started out on trumpet on that first track, all alone. Is that you playing trumpet, or did you get someone to do that? Tis I. Oh, you. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's nice. Really, yeah. That horn line is Comes so good. Full circle with I the. Get that, I get that stuck yeah. in my head all the time. Dude, what? Wow. Okay. <laughs> I know. Why? I know, dude. You're like I said. Like we're 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 niche. We're we're, we're here for a really it. niche podcast, yeah. but we're here yeah. for it. Man. Super appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sweet. Okay. I didn't mean to cut you off, but uh, yeah, I want to hear more about it. Yeah, Nashville, and Nashville was also a time where I got to meet some really rad people. I worked mm. at this. That was the come and live phase. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's you know how we made our record. Who who else who else were some bands um in in your day and like maybe after the Suns era that were on Come and Live as a refresher for me and and for our listeners because I I feel like I heard that label showbread but did yes yes who can know it in Cancer right on Come and Live man I the only one I really honestly remember is uh, Ascend the Hill because we were homies oh um, right yeah wasn't there. Was, Sorry, go ahead. No, I, I that's literally all I can remember. Do you, if you guys have okay. names and you throw them out, I could probably Well, I was going to ask was so long forgotten on Come and Live? Like no, like yes, okay. it was like it was a weird thing. I think that they were talking about it, but they they were really on the fence. Oh, my friends Fever Fever. Some of my okay. some of the ah, best best okay. best people. Okay. Cool. Actually, it was just with Wes out in uh this motherfucker, he lives down in, uh, <laughs> he lives in Laguna Beach, dead ass. Like he lives oh, wow. in Laguna Beach, three mi- three blocks from the ocean. It's amazing, amazing. It's that great. was great. Yeah, cool. Sorry, not to derail things, but I, I was just like, <laughs> who are who are the other peers or like you know who are the names in lights on Come and Live that I wish I could remember. I really I feel like yeah, there are some that were missing, like. At least of these, apparently, which we played with white collar. Least of these, yeah, we did a few. Oh, we did yeah. a few oh, shows nice. with them. I knew white collar guys. Yeah, cool. Oh, yeah, sweet. Levi the poet has something. Oh, oh yeah, right. Oh. Yes, there's like Kai Kai sampler. Yeah, that's how I first heard about Kai Kai. 
Nice. Man, they're good. Really good. But <laughs> I don't think Oh, 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 uh um Jason Belcher. J um she went oh gosh. Oh gosh. We're digging deep, man. <laughs> what was the name of this what they were like a pray like worship, praise and worship type vibes. He was from New Zealand. Um Huh. Her name Fuck it escapes me. She would later go on because our, oh, our drummer Amber, Amber Days. My. <gasps> Amber Days. Yes, thank you. Wow. This, that no, is this is the band. This yeah. this started time. the whole thing for me. Like I was like, there is a band that I that I really dug for a while. I had like a whole season of just being like an Ember Days super fan. Thank you so that much. Last, do you guys know that that last album, the Ember Days, Jordan McGee, who played drums on our album, played on that album? No way. Oh, I didn't. Yeah. That's cool. Dude. Amazing drummer. Dots. Amazing drummer. Jordan oh, yeah. also plays in Chops. Advent. So oh, in what? He plays for Advent. Advent. Oh, nice. Oh, nice. And the Rocket Boys. Nice. Yeah, he, he's... We don't talk... Cause I'll get into why, but uh, yeah, we don't we don't speak, and it's it's not it's not by choice for me. So, yeah. but it's probably well right. deserved by me. <laughs> oh no! Well, hey, but okay, you're you here. Can't, you can't to just clear the that. air, man. Yeah, you're we're clearing clear the air. air. We're clearing the air. <laughs> we'll try. That's so funny. We'll Let's do, do our it. best here. Let's yeah. do it. We're here for it. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe. Uh, I don't even know really where I was, but. Yeah, early sons stuff. You're writing stuff that turned into like the Home Wrecker EP and early sons of God songs. I think is where we were. Yeah, and I remember in '07, in between tours with Spoken, that's when we did the Genesis Prologue, which was just me and Drew Falk, who became like a very successful, super heavy uh, music engineer producer guy mm-hmm. uh, from Kernersville, North Carolina. Nice. Man, that North Carolina area had so much talent. Some talent, huh? Yeah, I mean, beloved. He is legend. Mm-hmm. He is legend. Jeez, those songs. <laughs> those. He is legend. We played some shows with them too. Man, what a wild! They were wild. Boy, they were wild. Monsters. Still are. Yeah, they're, they're <laughs> still, are. still wild. <laughs> them boys crazy. be wild. <laughs> Man, did you guys ever get into far less? Mm. Holy Only shit! Only a few that songs. Is, yeah. That's, wow. That's a throwback. Yes. We played some shows with them. Man, they nice. were one of the best unknown bands on all of Tooth & Nail Solid State, in my opinion. The last record mm-hmm. that they did is is a it's a work of art. It's like if May yeah. was heavy. Hmm. Ooh. That's the best. That's, that's a good cool yeah. take. <laughs> I love yeah. that. With better vocals, no shade to Dave. Just, you know, it's preference. So Sure. Shut up, Josh. Shut up. <laughs> Kylan <laughs> agrees with ja- you. <laughs> Josh knows that that's uh, we haven't covered May on the show yet, but privately, I have I have stated that the vocals are my biggest problem with May, <laughs> which is fascinating because so, it's like one of the biggest. I know. Of I know. May. We'll we'll get there whenever we cover May. Okay, we're not going to talk about to that episode. Yeah, I'll do All a right. sidebar if you want. Yeah, let's go, <laughs> please. <laughs> Hey, TJ. Oh, hey, Josh. It didn't set out to be this year with Church Jams Now, but we've been talking about the wedding an awful lot this year on the yeah. show, and I'm not mad about it. You you might say we're wedding singers singing the praises Ooh. of the band, the wedding. 
I think we are. I think we're all big wedding fans, wedding singers, if you will. You probably got the most Adam Sandler hair to pull it off between the three of us. That's true. But if you're like me and you don't have TJ's glorious hair, um, (laughs) there is a way that you can sing along to the wedding at home, and that is by checking out our sponsor, CollideRecords.com. And you know, if you go on CollideRecords.com and look for the wedding, you're going to find their first two records on vinyl. What? They're self-titled and Polarity, both on vinyl, both on double vinyl as well. Ooh, I like a good double vinyl. Yes. Uh, I can say I personally have the Polarity vinyl, and it's pretty great. You can pick up both of them if you're wedding fans like us. And you know what? I've got a wedding present for you, if you will, TJ. (gasps) You do? What is it? I do. If you go to ClydeRecords.com and you put in the promo code church jams now you will receive not one not two but 20 percent off your first order wow that's incredible that's a serious chunk of change right there yeah how do we do that you just pick up one two 20 things that you want from collide records and in the promo code you enter church jams now all one word at checkout and you get 20 percent off you save some money, you support a great independent record store, and you get some great music as well. You know what? If I did that, I think that would be the best day ever. It might even be better than my The Wedding Day. The day you Don't saw The Wedding? Don't tell my wife I said that. Oh, yeah, oh, that's your actual The Wedding Day. Oh, okay, okay. Good save, Josh. Good okay. save. Yeah, yeah. Looking out <laughs> for you. Check out Collide Records for The Wedding and tons of other great CDs and vinyl. And let's get back to the show thinking we haven't done a patreon ad in a while that's true well patreon bot has been in the shop we don't have patreon bot to give us the pizzazz and the showmanship of a like a full-blown patreon ad because we have a lot of cool stuff happening on patreon but you know i thought it'd be good let's just start small you know let's just start small and focus on our smallest tier on patreon which is the anatomy of the tier in cheek which starts at two dollars two dollars what are those what are those two dollars a month get you one, they get you early access to episodes without ads. And sometimes when we're editing the episodes, we just like to put in like a little bit of bonus content. So you get extra CJN without ads. And you also get access to WCJN, which is our little radio show. And if you're enjoying this episode, we actually have a WCJN specifically about what, Josh? We are covering homewrecker the ep from aaron newberry so you know what we're in the middle of a big aaron newberry sons week and if you want to keep that rolling what we're covering keep quiet and we have an interview with aaron and if you want to keep that fun aaron newberry sons momentum rolling you can listen to our wcjn covering the homewrecker ep which i don't think it's also available on streaming so you know what? if you want to hear it great place to hear it you can hear us talk a little bit about it but mostly just listen to the songs with us good yeah. time Exactly. So yeah, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash church jams now podcast. And for only $2 a month, you get access to all that and more. So when you got into songwriting, Aaron, was it like, did you feel pretty strong about it initially? Or did it take a lot of repetition and just like practice makes makes near perfect kind of kind of situation? I just knew that... Um... Like when I transitioned onto the guitar, it was like, oh, I really like melody. Mm. And I was never like bad at the guitar. So it made it easy 
but I was I w- I wouldn't say I was good, but it <laughs> I I could hear like I remember being a kid really young in elementary school and I could like pluck out the the notes to melodies mm. like in just like single note phrases mm-hmm. and people would be like what the f-? like what and <laughs> as I, as I grew up I realized I was like oh sh-, like I just have a good ear mm-hmm. um and that's not something that <laughs> I can credit to myself it's just it it came with me into the world right and sometimes you can use said ear to you know write some good shit and it's not always good but yeah i think it was i, re- I remember it being laborious in the beginning to write so i just played all the time i would just play and play and play and play and play and play right. i was just jamming writing was not easy it did not come naturally um and i remember the first sun songs you know, caution was just like a huge accident and I kind of just rolled with it because the nature of the kind of like the the original version of Caution was like non-chorusy in a way, and so then I was like, oh man, I have to learn how to write choruses. Mm. <laughs> and and I'm serious when I say this. The whole Suns record is just me having to like I've writ I wrote the best conglomeration of choruses that I possibly could. Mm-hmm. And that was all I had to give. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. It wow. was, yeah. And funny enough, man, I, this is true. I wrote half of the lyrics and half of the vocals while we were tracking the vocals. So, wow. Yeah. I get that, man. I get that. Yep. Yeah. Well, yeah. Cause I wanted to ask, cause how was like the songwriting process? And like, you could talk about in the beginning and then like whenever you're a band band, but is it like, you writing everything like because that's it a was lot in the beginning to just like yeah be mm-hmm. like i this song doesn't exist unless i do everything here yeah on on that first the genesis prologue it was just myself my buddy zach warsbach who rest in peace passed away recently mm-hmm. um and then drew we were we would start at 7 p.m because he worked in like a business park and we would finish at like 4 a.m and we just went three nights solid wow and did did doubt, uh, I think caution, mm-hmm. and then we did what was that one song? Manipulators. Manipulators. What a weird song. Um, <laughs> the one that didn't make the record. Yeah, and then I tacked on that uh, the other uh, song that I dangerous like the acoustic dangerous. Yeah, which I actually think is a pretty good song. I like that one a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you do the electric on that one? That was also all me. Yeah. Okay, the electric has some really good feel to it. Was Dangerous the one? Dangerous could be a place we could... No. Did you guys... You guys heard the one I did with Christy Dupree on Homewrecker, I think? Yes. Um, yeah, that's like one Christy's, of my faves. Christy's on Homewrecker? Yeah. Did I not we know We were that? homies back in the day. Oh, man. Yeah. Wow. Something that Josh doesn't know. Josh oh, is our... Man. I think Josh I did know like back in the day, He's but I forgot it. But I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I didn't remember it. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. Yeah. So, so how did you guys go about? I, I'm just personally curious. From writing, you said you guys kind of wrote all those over the course of of those days or whatever. How did y'all like? I, I want to get really technical, if that's okay, for Let's just a second. Yeah, bro. How did y'all record that first record? Did y'all do that all yourselves? Were you the Genesis Prologue? Yeah. Did you guys go into a studio? Like, did you have mixing engineer? Because okay. So the three of us, we do a lot of, like, we're 
pretty DIY in terms yeah. of uh, how we do everything. So I'm always just curious, like records that are sort of of like of this level of like how you handled all that. Mm-hmm. Well, let me give you a two for one here because Homewrecker was actually just like me, a 57 and a, like a, a cheap Sterling audio thing with like a Focus Sapphire and that was it. Wow. What was your what was your what was your DAW for that? What was your logic? Yeah, what you work? Logic. Oh nice. wow. Yeah, yeah. And then um, the Genesis Prologue was we did in Kernersville with my homie Drew Falk, and I'm pretty sure he used Cubase. Oh wow! I think. Whoa! I nice. think Cubase in a while. Which I feel is like that's our first mention of Cubase on this show. <laughs> that's true. that's what is the that whole right? that's what the whole album was <laughs> tracked on as well. That's what Jared wow. Fox used. No way! That's huh. So great. I have no idea if this is of any interest to anyone else except the three of us, but I'm fascinated. Yeah, there's probably probably some of them. (laughs) Yeah, probably there's there's probably somebody out there that enjoys Uh, it. But yeah, we it was still DIY even with Drew. Like he, I I don't even remember what preamps or what conversion he had. I it was probably a might have been like a Firewire Apogee type of vibe. But yeah, I mean that was. Oh seven, man! Like recording technology has jumped so much in the last mm-hmm. even just five to ten years. Yeah, that so it wasn't as easy to make a record back then. True, I miss those Firewire days, though. I miss having. <laughs> I felt so cool having a having. You a were alone interface. in that. <laughs> no, I know, <laughs> I know, I know. Kevin was the one person that felt cool. <laughs> it felt Firewire. it felt cool seeing like, oh no, I got to grab my interface. It's Firewire. <laughs> Which one are you? Four hundred or eight hundred? <laughs> yeah, when FireWire 800 came out, it was like the jump from like DSL to cable internet, you know. Right. <laughs> mm. That's true. So yeah, that's that's how those are like pretty, you know, pretty um crude recording, you know, recording techniques and things. So it's still Yeah. It still is good stuff though, like you can still get by with like, oh yeah, maybe like sonically it could have been productive. <laughs> produce a little bit better especially if you're doing all of it yourself so because it was the home record that was just all did you like engineer mix it like you yeah. is that like all you <laughs> yes wow a yes. true solo project yeah because if it wasn't it would sound probably pretty good <laughs> <laughs> i didn't know what i was doing i uh, you know i but barely I bet you just learned re- a lot <laughs> i did i did yeah. and i mean and i tell people this all the time it's like that's somebody like if you if you is where do you think anybody starts? Yeah, exactly. Like, right. Exactly. Do you think Butch Walker showed up with all that gear in that room? Right. Yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> no, no like nobody does. Every every beginning is humble unless you just come from money. And even still, just because you have money doesn't mean that your amazing recording setup is going to equal cool or good music or yeah. good recordings. At, at the end of the day, it's just a tool, right? Like you have to know how yeah. to use it. So and. The nature of Homewrecker is one where it's like, I didn't know how to like punch. So it was just, right. it had to be good. Uh, all the way through. Performances, you know? <laughs> so, just doing, yeah. Were you doing like single takes for all that stuff? Pretty much. Or I would punch in parts. Um, like I, you know, you can like playlist on, on Pro Tools and I think on Ableton, it's, you know, take lanes and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. You could do it back then, but I didn't know how. I was always limited by my my ignorance and my DIY spirit was truly the the arbiter of my ignorance. 
I could have learned. I could have probably <laughs> wow, been a lot better. Right. I just didn't read any manuals. So <laughs> That's so that. good. My DIY yeah. spirit was the arbiter of my ignorance. <laughs> That's a great bull quote. That's such a TJ line. TJ, like, <laughs> yeah, I can see I, you resonate I relate with that. to that. <laughs> yeah, Jared Fox, who is instrumental in Sun's record, sounding so damn good, he mixed the Genesis prologue. Hmm. And that's honestly, and no shade to Drew, because like even at that time he was such a, we were just amateurs, hmm. um, but like he, Jared made the Genesis Prologue sound good, hmm. like it did not sound very good before. <laughs> so, yeah, and it still doesn't sound that yeah, great. You need that person. Yeah, Jared Jared Fox is amazing. Only by comparison, because the Keep Quiet record sounds so good. You know, that's that's the only reason why. Yeah, that's right. That's Jared. Super, super duper Jared. Jared produced, engineered, mixed, unbelievable. Nice. nice. Can you take us into from like the come and live to the slow speak era? Like in like, I guess, where you like <laughs> then form like a band at this point kind of thing? Because slow <laughs> yeah, speak is a, like? is a very like interesting label because I mean, <laughs> they were like just a little thing for, around for just a little while it seemed. Yeah. And then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which and now I have to recant fever fever. I don't think they were ever on Come and Live. I think it was Slow Speak. I was conflating the two. Mm-hmm. But Slow Speak is it was very odd, very weird. Um, so basically, it was very hard to keep members consistently because I had such an I had an ego that was difficult to deal with, and that was a real fun look in the mirror. You know, as I became an adult, and you know. I over-spiritualized things and, you know, basically used God as a crutch for having given me, you know, some type of authority over sons that I should have never wanted in the first place. And so that led to, like, different people all the time, and I I liked that because I was the center of it. Mm. And though I did write all of the songs for sons... There were people that collaborated with me in such huge ways right. that deserved far more credit than I was giving them in that moment. Alex Rust, Jacob Bundren, Jordan McGee, Kyle Laster, like they were huge in making that Suns record. Hmm. And I hate it for them that we didn't get to enjoy it together because I was such a dick. <laughs> I kicked them all out, you know, after we made the record. Mm. And I was able to, you know, validate it or justify it, you know, because somehow God was speaking to me. It was God's vision for you in this band. Yeah. 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 So fucking stupid. Like, just in the, the, like, and I've, I've apologized profusely. I've been able to make good with Kyle and with Alex, but Jordan still won't speak to me, even though we have a lot of mutual friends. And I just think that, I think it sucks. Mostly for me, because he's such a such a rad dude. He's mm. one of the funniest people ever, and like a genuine talent. And he was such a great friend. And I'll never forget it, even when it happened. Joe from Beloved and Advent basically sent me a MySpace message that was like, "Bro, are you fucking serious? Like for real? <laughs> you know, you need that friend, right? Like you need that person." They can kind of. Well, like... I don't know Joe. Like, he, like, <laughs> bro, rolled into the DMs, like trying to look out for me. Like, not really. He was probably just pissed, but also, like, 
if I had any sense, mm. I would have just let that band be the band that it was. Great right. people came after it, but that that is the reason why that record sounds awesome. It's not because of me. It's partly because of me, but that record doesn't get made and is not as cool. Like the last song on the record, which is arguably one of the coolest songs, uh, what yeah. is this a dry season or agnosticism? Mm-hmm. 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 That is hugely part to Jordan and Kyle and Alex having really cool taste, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So, well, I hope they all hear this and, and are like, you know, that guy's, that guy's all right. We, we <laughs> like him. <laughs> I, I love people a lot and I, I have tried to make amends for the situations where I have been the, you know, the reason for things being difficult or for people being hurt. And mm-hmm. I get that. like, yeah, it's, it sucks to, to, to even like go into life later on and just be like, man, I was a, I was a dick. And worst of all, I did a lot of it in the name of God. Like, right. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> Obviously I, I'm not really, I don't go to church. I'm not a Christian anymore. Um, and you know, that's, that was a, you know, a journey in and of itself, but sure. we are here today. So you're yeah. here today, man. Well, we appreciate you clearing the air. Like, like we've yeah. been saying. Yes, sir. There, yeah, there, there's something to be said about reconciling who you were in your 20s, specifically within an evangelical context, which we're not that kind of podcast, but uh, yeah, praise I, God. I, I, I appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, that, that is just uh, fascinating to me. And yeah, I hope, I hope everyone can just reconcile. Let's all just be friends, man. We're yeah. all, we're and all even, grownups now. And especially yeah. adding the layer of like, collaboration like yeah. i remember the first time like th- i we were in a band together kylan and like someone was like i want to do this and i was like well this was kind of like my idea like it's just oh, yeah. such a, like that's just it's so many layers on top of everything else yeah as well. take like, like take any religion out of out of the context and then just talk about creative collaboration and ego and and that's still you know a very important conversation to have about yeah. kind of reflecting on how maybe you showed up in a way that pushed others out or didn't allow space for okay. other people to show up with their own ideas. And then you add the layer of like, God told me to do this. Oh. And it's just like, it gets so complicated. Crazy. It's so complicated. <laughs> I was <It's> uncringed. <laughs> yes. So I want to get into a little bit like what you're up to now. I mean, you're sitting in this like sick ass studio space. Yes. You have an IMDB page. Yes, which <laughs> yeah. is the first thing that I looked up. <laughs> That's funny. Okay, you have an Emmy nomination for man. It's a Heartland Emmy, bro. Like they're that's such low hanging fruit. I mean, cares, come on, man. come on. You also played in As I Lay Dying, so take the Heartland Emmy, bro. <laughs> yeah, take like, it. <laughs> put it on your resume. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. So, what are you up to now? Are are you recording other people? Or are you just doing like composing stuff or like? Yeah, I'm just curious. I am, but I I don't want to I, I don't want to glaze over. You guys said that you're kind of nerds, you're kind of audio yes. guys, so I just yes, want to yes. give you the opportunity. Do you have any questions about the making of Keep Quiet? Mm. I mean, I have a lot. We're we can pass over yeah. back to that if yeah, we this want. Is, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can we can keep going to like unless you'd rather go to that now. 
but no, I Josh, talk come about on, ask your questions, man. This is Go your for chance. It, Josh. Shoot your this shot, it. man. I mean, I, it's such it, it's such a it's such a cool album, and I recognize it that really more is. and more it when really people yeah. tell me all the time that they still listen to it. Mm-hmm. Well, all yeah, the time. thing that I so wanted good. to say, like in the beginning, I was like, do I just get this out of the way now? And just like having you on here, and why I think it's like perfect for our podcast is like that record is one that's like not super well known and which like sucks for you obviously trying to make a living with music like if people don't know about your band and your record like you're not gonna be able to do it very long kind of thing but like on the flip side of that is that to the people like in the scene that know sons like that's like a way of like if you're talking with someone and you see sons you're like you listen to sons okay you know what's up and it's one of those like i don't know i feel like there's only like it's almost like a badge of honor of like oh you know about sons and like it it's like this i don't know maybe a cult kind of like a cult following kind of like underground thing Mm -hmm. to where it's like i saw someone tweet about the other day and i was like yes this guy knows what's up because and like everyone who knows about that record really loves that record so like i think it's unfortunate that more people don't know about that, but the people that do know about it, it matters a lot to them, myself yes. included. Wow, cool. That's, I mean, it's weird to be on the receiving end of hearing something like that and and for it to have happened so consistently about a record that is so far out removed from my current reality and so into my past that honestly, man, I I think it's awesome. I try to view it as like the way I feel about certain records and other artists. It's like, it's easy for me to be like, because I'm me. I know I was in Sons. It was as normal as you going, taking a shower, you know, like, but to, <laughs> to other people like that didn't know what, you know, our daily lives were, or how meek of a existence we had as a band. I still think that record is hugely responsible for me even to getting to, to be where I am today. Mm. like mm-hmm. even in, like in music well my question about that record is is one that i think it kind of tells you a lot about an artist and and it's what was the most challenging moment making it like what was the moment where you were kind of questioning things or like not sure about things or you know was it a vocal take what like what like i don't know what in the whole process maybe like what was the most challenging moment or oh dude it was Almost assuredly the vocals. I'm just not I I was singing beyond what I should be singing that often. Mm-hmm. Like I sing a lot of falsetto and like in a lower register and Sons is like all like balls to the wall. Yeah. Yelling. Some of it's like yelling and stuff and it's just like that was not it's I think it took like seven or eight days to track vocals. Wow. Because wow. some of it was so aggressive. Did you Some take of it breaks so high at all? Or yeah, was that oh, yeah. seven to eight days, like straight. Uh, I think we did. I think we did straight because we would only go so much per day because he sure. would rest me. Right, Jared yeah. would rest mm. me. Right. So I think it was six days out of eight, maybe. And I think I did two songs a day. Wow. And so half of the record, like I'm shit you not, was all right, man. Go sit down. I'm going to comp and tune these vocals. And I would write the second verse. Wow, <laughs> that wow. happened. Or, or I would write the chorus. I would right. have had. I had an idea, but there's something about the immediacy of having to do it. Yeah, there's yeah. that. It's like it's 
so to tie in with what I do today, I'm a music producer. I am a film composer. I'm I'm a songwriter. In fact, you know, right before I got on with you guys, I was in a songwriting session. I'm writing cool. music as much as possible. And bro, I don't wait to get inspired. Like mm, I show right. up and inspiration will or will not happen. But right. if you don't show up, like you're not manifesting anything. Like yeah, the right. work is what opens the door for inspiration. And sometimes, yes, you are, you know, spiritually um, inspired, or maybe you saw a performance, or you saw something, or something happened, or you it feel took you somewhere a certain way. Yeah, yeah, right. but like that's those are rare in comparison to like you want to know what proliferation is. Showing up every day and doing the work. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. And and so that's what happened tracking that that album. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to get this done. And I look back and I'm like, damn, some of those lyrics are fucking great. (laughs) Like, like I almost can't believe I said some of that shit. And you're like, I wrote that five minutes before I sang it, too. (laughs) Like, truth be told, ask Jared, who I, I was literally on the phone with Jared a week ago. We were talking about microphones. So Nice. Yeah. He's a bad dude. Nice. Yeah, it sounds great. Well, looking back, what are some of like your favorite songs or like moments from the record? Like you're like, I'm still like super proud of like this. Or it could be all the songs for all I care. But like, <laughs> or what are some standouts for record. you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, um, what's the name of that first song? Masters of the Flattery. Yeah, I think that chorus is solid. So good. Um, mm-hmm. it's so good. And. It was inspired by one of the songs that TJ wrote for um, uh, man, As Cities Burn, who I was like, I was friends with. I thankfully. knew it. That was I knew it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So Let's have some AC Bean. I think, to it. I, yeah. think it, I think I think it might have been inspired by the Grace make your way to the well for those who yeah. don't deserve it. And I I think that's so, how yeah. I got inspired for that one I, I and it. i just think that's a great rock song i did not realize so it was good. so close to being a smashing pumpkins vibe but that's cool too <laughs> <laughs> that's true you know what <laughs> yeah how do we not okay we just did the beginning of this year we did an acidies burn deep dive like we miniseries yeah we we covered all of their records in one go how do we never talk about smashing pumpkins in regards know. to Acidies how do we burn? not do that that's, that's crazy. so funny <laughs> you're right that's so good wow there's a lot of through lines, no doubt. Yeah. So you were you were kind of like you were listening to a lot of their stuff and 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 just like in in a way of like these are peers of mine or you were like these guys listening. are incredible. This is yeah. I think inspiring. I just listened. You know, I I just listened to to whatever music and I remember hearing that and I was like, <laughs> honestly, I was like, I love the way that starts, but obviously, I can't just rip it off. <laughs> right. So I had to like change it, but I liked what that, what that vocal move did for their song. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I want right. that for my yeah, song. Yeah. Thankfully they don't sound anything alike. Um, no, right. Yeah, yeah, definitely yeah. not. But I feel like if y'all toured together, it would be a great show. I'll just oh, say God. that. That'd be a good ticket. That'd yeah. Be a good that would be, yeah. We were never very good live. I don't think. And that was as a result of me always singing outside of my comfort zone. So mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I think we made up for it in, you know, zeal. <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, there's something to be said for that, man. Yeah. That's like, I mean, yeah. Best. Like, he, he, I, I don't think, like, Henry Rollins doesn't sound great live, but he, like, fucking goes for it. And so you're there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, 
True. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I'm just remembering. Some... Oh, sorry. Go for it, Aaron. No, you're fine. What are you remembering? I'm curious. Uh, well, I was just like make, remembering, like you mentioned Copeland earlier, and yeah. like I feel like there's a lot of Copeland vibes on that record. Mm-hmm. Like when I first started <laughs> listening to it, I was like, the way I would describe it, if I had to describe it to someone, I'd be like, if Thrice and Copeland made a record, and then like that record got like, or it was like if Thrice and Copeland had a baby, and then every now and then. Uncle Manchester Orchestra came over and like watched the babies. Like that's that's keep quiet. Uncle Manchester Orchestra. Uncle Manchester. <laughs> Uncle Andy Hole comes over and <laughs> yo, that's spot on, bro. That that is literally like that's so good. M- my my inspiration is just like I wore it on my sleeve in that band. You know, mm-hmm. like it was obvious. Yeah. I loved Copeland. Mm-hmm. Love Manchester Orchestra. Um. I'm not. I love what Thrice has done, but their evolution, be at a certain point, I just stopped paying attention. Right. But everything before I stopped paying attention, I think is great. Yeah. So, yeah. Some of the sleepers on the record, in my opinion, are like track two, "Believe in Something." I think that is such a rad song. Uh, Ghosts is probably one of my favorite songs I've ever written. Oh, Ghosts is great. Mm-hmm. The lyrics are confusing. I realize that. But I don't care. <laughs> yeah, you don't always have to get it, you know? Yeah. Like, that's not always the most yeah. important thing. Well, like, in what ways? What's confusing about it? Well, what I was, what I meant to be saying was, like, hey, ladies, you don't have to choose shitty guys. Mm-hmm. Like, that's basically what that song means. I was getting tired of seeing good people, good women in my life, like, choose very obvious bad dudes. Mm. So that's what that song's about. It's a good thing to write a song about. Yeah. And writing from the perspective of a bad dude, right? Is that what the perspective of the song is? Yes. Some okay. of some of it. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. Good you caught that. Yes. I even <laughs> like, use I think I use a I use a Batman reference. The the um what did you say? The Narrows. Oh I right. think uh, <laughs> yeah. that's so good. I didn't yeah. catch that. Oh, that's okay. awesome. Yeah, the Narrows is a reference to Batman <laughs> using it as a as a, some kind of like <laughs> version of like where shitty dudes are. <laughs> right. Like the source of depravity almost. Yeah. That's crazy. Gutter guys live in the gutter. I love um, that. I love that. So I thought good. I thought um oh shoot. I don't remember what was uh, the Devil and I? Is that what it's called? Yep. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That song is rad. The end of that song. It's, it's so good. It's so good. What I'm I'm so glad that you brought it up because I, I wanted to bring it up. That has uh the the least amount of streams on Spotify, which blows my mind. That's crazy. Because that's yeah. wrong. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I that think, song is so good. I think it's because the way it starts out, it's a little bit like I don't think people probably get to the part where the beat comes in. Mm. Right. That and, and that beat is it. like Yeah, that beat really is like, oh shit, where are we oh, going? And it's then so cool. <clears throat> it's such a great pen. Well, there's something yeah, it's it's something about like penultimate songs <clears throat> on 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 records, I feel yeah, like. There's so setups, actually like Yeah, I'm I'm really curious, Aaron, how much thought do you give to uh sequencing? like on a record, mm-hmm. like, are you just kind of like, are you thinking 
sort of narratively because that's how I feel about that record. It feels very <laughs> like narrative, like there's hills and valleys, but I don't know, like uh, as someone that whenever I make a record, I sort of obsess over like, okay, we need like a certain point. We need a high point. Then we need a low point. We just kind of yeah. throw it all together. I'm just, I'm, I'm really curious how you go about doing that. Yeah. That was all just reactive and what cool. made sense. Uh, and it was pretty unanimous what the track listing should be. Cool. I think there was maybe two songs that maybe were, people were a little indifferent about, mm-hmm. or not indifferent, but like there wasn't a, uh, Unanimous it wasn't unanimous. Decision. Right. I feel like the record flows very, very well. It really does. And yeah. I think, I don't know how hard we were trying to write a rec, like a cohesive record. Mm-hmm. I think, and again, I, I would say that probably has a lot to do with Jared. Jared, mm. our producer, Jared Fox, really is like the unsung hero of that record. Mm. He worked harder than anybody on that record, uh, like actually working on the record. And we couldn't have had a great sounding record if it hadn't been for him, man. Like the drums at that time to me sounded huge. Mm -hmm. And that was awesome because, man, we were were making it hard. Like I was trying to – I stacked two – you know that little um, The Keep Quiet song, which I actually Mm -hmm. think is the weakest song of the record? You know that like piano arpeggio thing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? Why? <laughs> Why? Why did I do like that was so unnecessary? And I remember Jared kind of trying to talk me out of it. And I was just like, no, I want to be like Muse. Oh so. yes. No, but yeah. I, I, I feel the Muse parallel. Like I see you yeah. going for that a lot over the course of the record. And and like it's interesting to hear you like be like, I was going for this, but in retrospect, like yeah. maybe why was that part there? Like did it actually serve the song? Yeah. It, it's funny because it. I think Sons then would be more like Muse and Sons mm. now, which is not. But if it were, it would probably be more like Radiohead. Yes. So, yeah. Yes. I'd be here for I that. I see that trajectory. That'd be, that'd yeah, be, me too. That'd be awesome. <laughs> well, I'm curious like what you were saying about like a cohesive record and then you thinking Keep Quiet is like the quietest one. Like, why did you name the record that then? Like, did you go yeah. in of having like, oh, the, like, I don't know. What was the idea of like making either that the title track or you thought that summed up like the record or like the statement you were trying to make as a whole? What was some of the thought processes for that? Uh, I really, I just think I liked it. I mean, it sounds good. Keep quiet. Yeah, the alliteration cool record is name. Right? Yeah. yeah. Like, it's strong. It's a good. Yeah. I image. like it. I I just liked it. I think. I think I guess you could tie you could you could tie it to you know the idea was as Christians we were trying to be I you know subconsciously like lights on a hill mm-hmm. and what I was really trying to do is just like be super duper honest about the way I felt about my faith mm-hmm. the way I felt about the faith as a whole meaning mm-hmm. the church mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and those were the early seeds of me being like this is bullshit I'm out you know right so. Yeah, so you're like sort of warring with yourself, but also trying to be authentic through your creative expression. Yeah, like I fucking meant it when I was like talking about the crooked nature of the church, right? Right. right. Uh, and Masters of Flattery, like you think what you, what's the what? What did I say that something about members of a congregation? You're just as crooked as this Christian nation. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. 
So it was like, I didn't realize I was drawing nationalistic parallels necessarily, but that's exactly what I was doing. And I was seeing it. I didn't have the right language for it. And I couldn't cuss. Um, (laughs) I could. I could. But I couldn't. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Right. So... I don't know, man. I just was like, this plate, this thing is shady, and I'm down to like call it out because, like, who the fuck cares? No one's gonna listen to me anyway. Well, and I love keep quiet because it's like it's sort of the nicest way to say what you're saying. It's the nicest thing to say about what you're dealing with. I mean, the three, like, I think of the three last songs as a little bit of a triptych, like "Sun on the Run," "The Devil and I," and "Is This a Dry Season" or agnosticism. Like those ideas are very contentious or like you know, provocative, but effective. And, and those are like the, the sort of intense tracks lyrically for me on the album, but keep quiet is like this more accessible idea that is, that is palatable for, for a general audience, but still conveys the thing that you were dealing with and trying to, to express. I think it's great as far as an idea that, that sort of wraps up the album as like a, a nice present with the, the glitter and the bow and the, yeah, I, don't know, I like I don't that, TJ. The the analogy yeah, fell apart was, on me. No, no, I like <laughs> no, 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 no. You, you had it. You had it. <laughs> I think I think you asked what the hardest part of making that record was, and honestly, the hardest part was thinking about how to fucking follow it up. Mm, right. And I think wow. that's really what scared me. I don't yeah. think I didn't think I could do it again. Mm. And you know, I think that probably is why we disbanded i just got i was i got tired of touring that was like nine years on and off of touring and i was like i'm fucking over this yeah sure so but yeah man there's a lot of wild songs in that album like son on the run is about like a family that i lived with in georgia whose son killed them all he killed his own parents wow like i literally lived in the house like a month after it went down that's why i wrote that song that's like an actual prodigal son. Yeah. Crazy. Kingsland, Georgia. Wow. Wild shit. It's wild. Yeah, I was going to be like, oh, I love the slide guitar in that song. But yeah, that's me not, too. That's not the hey, mood me too. after that yeah. comment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Big time me too. And as a matter of fact, I'm using a lot more slide in my music today. So. Yeah. Uh, yes. Hey, yeah. that's a great transition. Do we want to talk about Kid again? Mm. Hey, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Are you one of my 22 monthly listeners? <laughs> Potentially. <laughs> Just wait till this episode drops. We'll get oh, you yeah. Dude, 25. You're going you're gonna to at least get four more. <laughs> at least. I'm stoked. I'm stoked. That's bi- that's actually a huge market percentage up. Like, <laughs> right. 22 hey, to that. 26. Yeah, that like, strong. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. I look green on Spotify. Right. <laughs> All right, yeah, let's talk about it. Let's talk about what you're doing now. Yeah, I mean, so for the last few years, I've been doing the composer thing, writing lots of music. I do a ton of commercial work. I do um, production sound a lot. I don't do it as much anymore, but, you know, I'd be the dude that, like, goes out and, like, records all the stuff on set. I've done – I do sound design. I do dialogue edits. I do, um, you know, re-record mixes. I – you know, do custom music, uh, but I'm producing a lot more, which is fun. And I'm writing a lot more and I'm writing with people that actually, I think you'll actually get to hear more of what I'm doing in the next two to three years, because I think some of these things are going to, you know, I think the, the music career always feels like 
or felt like I was yearning for something and reaching for something. And now it just mm-hmm. feels like if I just show up, work, and I'm cool and I'm good to people, like stuff honestly just kind of finds me. Mm. If I just put the work in and be kind mm. to people, well, and be, to be equitable. fair, I mean your your career up to this point has, like, to a certain extent, like shown that, like, yeah. j- just by virtue of the fact of all the bands that were mentioned at the first part of this show, like, yeah, uh, th- and so that was my initial question: is like, yeah, you just you're good at what you do, and you're a cool dude, so like people want to hire you for shit, and I think that, that that's like the best place to be. That's what, you know, we're all trying to be that too. So it's really encouraging. I I live by a few sayings and one is um, a rising tide lifts all boats. Yeah, for sure. I, I would love to be incredibly um, wealthy and successful so that I could just hang out and make music with my homies and find the artists around me that deserve all the resourcing mm. that they can't right. find. Yes. Um, that's my ultimate dream. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy to say I'm like working on it. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's slowly becoming a reality. That's awesome. And yeah. And one of the, one of the, one of the main things that happened in my life that changed everything that turned me into an actual good audio engineer was I landed here in this spot. This is Cardinal song here in Oklahoma city. Mm. And Michael Trepanier built this place, and I, by just just the craziest of circumstances and luck, landed here, and it was like the ultimate best decision of my whole life. It's given me more back than anything ever has. Wow. And it's made me just unbearably grateful, like annoyingly <laughs> grateful. <laughs> and from the sound of it, it's helping you like pay it forward and give the momentum to folks that you're That's... producing. Yeah, man, there's a, there's almost nothing that makes me feel better than like watching people I've in, I've invested in like get theirs. Like that is the mm-hmm. absolute best. And I think this is what part of what makes me a good producer is yeah, we can write music all day, but like can you feel comfortable in here? Mm-hmm. Comfortable enough to be yourself, be able to say whatever you want, play yes. whatever you want. I don't care if you fuck up 8 bars. I don't care. Yeah, right. At the end of the day, we just want to make a cool song. Like and so the the vibe of my studio and the vibe, the way that I work is kind of like everything is on the table at mm-hmm. all times. There are no rules. And we just try to say yes as much as we can. Mm. Um, and if it don't work, it don't work. We move on, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. That's, that's beautiful. I love it. But Kid Again happened because I got around Michael. I started writing. He started popping his head and saying, that's really beautiful. That's really pretty. You know, like... And I went through a horrible breakup that kind of got me introspective. I started writing a lot, not even necessarily about the breakup, but the breakup, the pandemic, being totally isolated as somebody who like needs people around, Mm -hmm. that birthed like all this new music. And, you know, I have a lot of music that hasn't come out because I'm like waiting to just once I start releasing it just won't stop you ready to get right yeah yeah Yeah. what's like the strategy with that like are you like every couple months kind of try to drop something or like what i'm thinking in the in the fall uh there's there's a bunch of music that's kind of like there's a bunch in demo phase and there's a bunch in like we just need to finish this do a few things and get it done Hmm. 
But I'm basically just like sitting on all these songs. And once I've got a bunch in the queue, I'll just start releasing songs every six weeks. Cool. Like for for months on end, maybe even like a year. Wow. And that'll hopefully all lead to like a collective work where some of those works will be on it and some of them might not. But it's going to have features of people that I've, I can't believe I'm getting to work with. And, um, it, it's gonna have there's gonna be a documentary which is wild what, um, okay. what? all right about, yeah yeah about the you buried about the, lead, the making dude. of it <laughs> yeah incredible. i guess i i did um <laughs> yeah kid again will eventually be what i the type of energy i put into sons that never really came i think i'm a lot more capable of navigating the um the financial aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And I have all the resources that I need, resources that I need between myself and all of the producers that I'm working with. Like I'm working right. with some heavy hitters. And nice. I say that again with just like the utmost gratitude. Yeah, of course. And, you know, my that is when my imposter syndrome is like most available. It's like, mm-hmm. sure. You know, the shit that's, you know, says you don't deserve to be here. It's like, no, fuck that. I'm here. Right. Yeah. If I don't deserve right. to be yeah. that, then how did I end yeah. up here, huh? Yeah. yeah. Right. You know? <laughs> exactly. So, like, just be a good hang and you like, tell that imposter, man. Yeah. Just be a good hang and do cool stuff. And, uh, yeah, the, the early kid again stuff that you got, I don't know if, have you all heard it? You've just got the four songs out, right? Yeah. Right now. Yeah. That's, that's what I've heard. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's the expectation should be that that won't be kind of near where I am once the the new iterations okay. of things start okay. start dropping. I'm stoked. Yeah, well, I was already like because I heard it, well, in you whenever you first dropped it, and it's very yeah. Bonnie Vare esque. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. that's what I was expecting when your new EP came out. I was like, oh, it's more like a singer songwriter kind of yeah, yeah. singer songwriter stuff. Yeah, yeah, which. Genuinely, can you guys? I have no idea how people feel about this album. Like, do does, are those songs any good? Yeah, they're fucking yeah. great. No, man. Kidding they're me? Great. Yeah, they're, they're fucking great. They're awesome, man. Like, yeah. As as people that are also just like trying to, you know, release our own music and and do our own thing, I think like objectively we can we can tell you that they're fucking great. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> like the hooks are there, but it's also like. So and the production values there too. Yeah, yes. the production <laughs> value is amazing. Yeah. yeah, no, it's definitely the best sounding shit I've done for sure. Yeah, and it's it like Kevin State, Kevin Smith's Red State versus Clerks. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta bring it back. I gotta. I gotta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aaron, Aaron <laughs> Kylan thinks in movies. That's like these are the okay, well, that he draws. I'm down. It's like, oh, Kevin Smith's got a running. budget. <laughs> like, yeah. Right, and that's and so. So, real talk. That's another thing. Is like I also want to fund. I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty details of like what all I'm going to do, but like the the idea is that you will hear about Kid again, and I wanted to start putting out some stuff so that once I started putting out more work, mm-hmm. there was more that people could hear. But right. when we're done with this, I'm going to send you guys all a, a new song that's oh, not yes. out oh, yeah. that won't be oh, out for oh, a long please. time. Yeah, so. <laughs> We've been going about an hour and a half, so I don't want to keep you too much longer. Uh, so I don't know if we have any other questions, any kind of general stuff from Josh or TJ. I've got one regarding the transition of like going from being like a band dude to being mm-hmm. a, a composer. And it's simply yeah. just like 
what was the most challenging aspect or, or, or what was the nature of that leap? Um, how did you find yourself in the composing world? Um, not producing, but composing specifically from, from kind of being, you know, a hired gun, uh, right. a band, a band leader, you know, into a composer. What, what did that look like? So I don't know if you guys found my YouTube channel, but I did YouTube for like a hot minute and I, I did not follow up because it, this stuff started taking off and I was like, I want my energy here, but I do go through some of it, but basically I had this, I have this friend, longtime friend, his name's Tony Anderson and he was a, he's a very successful composer. And I was like, Oh, I could do that. (laughs) And I see, you know, I spent two or three years just like writing bad music in my room and every now and then something cool would happen. And then I got a job at a production company, a very toxic place, but I got to write music all day, every day, all the time. Mm. And you want to talk about having to be versatile, man, that, that I, I can definitely do that now because I have more tricks and more ways to go about starting things. And I could, I could, if you really need to be too, I could write a song a day, but right. that was, just, it was just reps, man. It was just like reps. And then I met somebody and just as you do start talking, you know, alignment happens. Next thing you know, you're in a role and people are paying you to do it. Right. And I just leveraged it as much as I could of uh, having worked on, you know, some stuff that I, th- I thought was actually pretty good. And then I went freelance and that's when everything got awesome. That's when I, the, one of the first things that kind of helped me make a jump was I did a feature length documentary about Eddie Sutton. He was this basketball coach for Oklahoma State University and ESPN picked it up. Nice. And okay. so that All just right. like re- that looked really good on the on the, you know, the IMDB or the, you yeah, know, the yeah. resume <laughs> or whatever. And it kind of established some trust in the industry. And then I started meeting like people that were bigger and deeper into it and started mm-hmm. getting opportunities like um, I'm like real low on the totem pole, but like I worked on a movie that's coming out in this summer, you know, starring like Jamie Foxx and John Boyega. Like I'm again, low Amazing. on the totem pole, but like that stream yeah. is one I've been trying to swim in for a little while. And it's like finally sure. a little bit of breakthrough and hmm. yeah, just getting more opportunities man. as people trust you, you know, and getting better. So, right. Yeah. Well, the biggest takeaway that I've gotten from our interview with you is just like, you're the kind of guy that just like puts in the work. Mm. You know what I mean? Like whether you're like showing up for a band or like composing, like, and there's something to be said about that. Like as people, you know, I, I don't know how many of our listeners are, are also musicians or, you know, creatives to the extent that 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 we are but uh there's definitely something to be said about just like putting in the work and 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 where that can lead you so that's like super inspiring to me personally i just think that's super cool man thank you for saying that because you know sometimes it feels like i'm on an island and i procrastinate and blah 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 Mm -hmm. but like i say it to gas us all up like Mm-hmm. There's no better way to be good at what you do than to show up and do it every day. Right. And yeah, that there's that is what se- I was talking to my friend Bender, who's producing a lot of my new stuff. That is what separates the people that we most admire from the people that we never hear about. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's so true. Tr- truly, show up, do the work. There is no substitute. End of discussion. Also, yeah. 
put music out. Like your first work's never going to sound as good as your tenth. Or yeah, if right. it does, you're Justin Vernon, and it's just rare. So like, <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, but, fuck that yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. But to your point, you'll never make your 10th unless you put your first out. Yeah. Bingo. Right? And that's where you want to get. You want you to make it. a lot of music. Yeah. You don't have to put it all out. Demo stuff, write it. But, like, decide and put it out. Yeah. Like, just, just put the stuff out. Yeah, you could, you could reach working. that to me. As I'm sitting here saying, like, I got songs stacking up in the queue. Sure, but I swear yeah, to yeah. you, <laughs> once music starts coming out, you'll be like, yo, where is all this coming from? That's <laughs> the goal. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm just like being patient. I'm incubating and I'm writing You're like as much as I can. It. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Trying. Trying for real. Yeah. That's so, dude, that's great. Bad. Josh, that's did awful. you, did you have anything you wanted to throw at him? I can go as long as you guys. I could go another 30 <laughs> if you had questions. I'm enjoying this truly, but you guys cut me off whenever you want. Is there anything you want to talk about? Well, I've talked a lot. Well, a well lot. I well, mean, that's, that's more show. interesting than that's, us. That's talking. the whole thing. Cool. Yeah. Everyone yeah, hears us here every week. And yeah. So we're I mean, here to listen to you. On the topic of gassing people up, are, are there any artists that you're currently working oh, with that you're really excited about, like that you're producing or that you're collaborating with or just that, that you know that, that you're really excited about? Yeah, man. Um, been working with we, – we finished I finished a song for my friend Morgan, and that will come out soon. It's called Nightlight. Her name's Morgan Harvey. And then Nightlight. we cool. also uh, – Michael and I co-produced their band, Brother Boy, and I that record is really, really cool. Sweet. And that, Does that come out yet? That's no, it's gonna drop in the next like I think the first single comes out in like a month. Nice. Um there's a band that I play for here in the city called Plain Speak. They did their album here. It's getting a lot of press. Cool. Um have you guys ever heard of Old Blood Noise Endeavors, the pedal company? Yes. I'm not familiar. Maybe Josh. You're, yep, you're you're a gear nerd. Yeah, yeah. so so Dan uh, from Old Blood is the singer for the for that band that I play oh, for. Nice, um, cool. And is Dan yeah. the one that started Old Blood Noise? Or is no, he... that would be Brady. But Dan okay, Brady, Dan does okay. the thing called Dan explains it all. Okay, is there something in the water in Oklahoma City? Because Keely. So, Walrus. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, we just yeah. we, we did an episode yeah. with Tyler Evans world. from Walrus, and it's like, okay, is this where just all pedals are are made? So, bro, the Walrus team is like, those are my homies. Like Ezra, Ezra, bro. Did you guys ever hear the the Christmas song that Sons did? Yes, mm-hmm. I haven't. I haven't. No. So we recorded that on tour in a barn in Muskogee. <laughs> At my friend Ezra Jernigan's house. His dad is Dennis Jernigan, the like the worship leader guy. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Um, and Ezra is now one of the builders at Walrus, and Ezra and I are also now developing some of our our own products. Nice. What is hmm. it? Okay, so we got to make a trip to Oklahoma City, <laughs> yeah, right? Clearly. Absolutely, guys. Like we have to do a Church Teams Now field trip to yeah. Oklahoma City just to hang out yeah. with all these cool ass. <laughs> fucking like innovators music people music yeah <laughs> yeah man yeah so the Wal- well, walrus good. guys are really good friends of mine uh and the um the old blood noise guys are great friends and so that is an exciting adventurous thing that i get to be you know near yeah but i'm trying to think like 
I'm writing a lot and I'm trying to figure out how much of it is like, I've definitely written some songs for some other people, um, but I'm not sure how much they want me saying about it. Sure. Right. Because it's still also like, it's all incubating and I want them to have their kind of like the way that they want it to be talked about. Yeah. But the, the, the stuff I'm most excited about and, and proud to, to be working on is is Kid again, and my main collaborators are Michael Trepanier, uh, my friend Brian Bender. Y'all need to look him up. He is, cool. uh, it's unbelievable. Um, my friend Ryan Magnani, who was just here writing with me. I've got my friend Spencer Powers, who's in a real cool band that you guys should check out called Swim Fan. Um, All right. Real cool Oklahoma City band. Um, writing with this dude named Logan Brune a lot. Logan is a bad dude. He nice. produced a lot of this stuff for a cat named Josh Fudge, who's also a homie. Check out all that stuff. Josh Fudge is a bad dude. Logan Brune Sweet. is a bad dude. I think I'm going to – I was in the studio a little bit last year, but nothing ever materialized. But there's a producer here named Chad Copeland. He's worked on – man, I've like I, I've all of the names escape me because it's – he's worked – like Ben Rector – uh, Kelly wow. Clarkson, John Mayer. Whoa. Um, but, but even cooler stuff like um, I'm forgetting like all the Colony House's new stuff. Hmm. Um, mm, nice. Broncho Sports. Oh, cool. Uh, trying to think of man, he's done bigger stuff than that. Like, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of like I mean one of the other ones. Like dude, really, to go from really, Kelly really Clarkson cool to Broncho, that's like that's some yeah. versatility, man. It's <laughs> incredible. Uh, Taya, like he he's that dude rolls deeper than most people I know. I'm hoping to get in with him this year and write some more. So like the eclectic nature of the mm. music that is mm-hmm. to come should be representative of like what I'd always hoped I could do, but yeah, I never feel right. safe enough. So like, bro, mm. here, this is facts. You guys probably think this is nuts now that I've heard other people tell me, but like. I did not view myself as an artist. I did not give myself that moniker until like I didn't accept it rather until like two years ago. That's I fucking like, crazy. Wow. That's I know. Crazy. Right? Fuck like, you for that. Like that's yeah. crazy. Like, I get how, it. I hundred percent relate absurd. and get it, but yeah. like that's crazy. But also I'm so glad that you did come to that conclusion. Yeah. Like, I think we're all really glad that you came to that conclusion. Oh, sick. <laughs> yeah. I'm really, really amped about what's coming next. And and I, I appreciate that there's people out there that give a shit. And honestly, like oh, yeah, man. I need all the help I can get promoting this. So it's yeah. great to know that I feel like maybe you know, this this will be a place where that could happen. Oh, so yeah. for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And in the context of not being churchy or, you know, Christian whatsoever about any of this music, I feel like that has been the great expander of things is like getting out of the box that was religion mm, yeah. and being like, oh, fuck, there are no rules. I get to do whatever I want. I can do whatever I want. <laughs> yeah. Therefore, I will do whatever I want. So, right. Yeah, man. It's been a blast. Explore to the ends of the creative earth. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll send Sweet. you a couple of new new songs. One's like oh. done, and another oh, one's so like a yeah. demo. And you guys are gonna be like, "Whoa, these are very far apart." <laughs> <laughs> cool. I love it, yeah. dude. I yeah. I love it. I, I like hearing things on all like levels of the process. Yeah. you know. So that's that's a as like a podcast in which we we've covered everything from. 
the chariot to mercy me to Amy Grant. Uh, and <laughs> like, it's not even music we're necessarily into. We're just music nerds. And yeah, we're just like it. so fucking stoked to just like hear it. Like, I don't know that, that that's been the coolest thing about this show so far is having people like you on Aaron, mm-hmm. uh, that hopefully have a good enough time that, we were just hanging out and they want to send us music. Cause we just like, this is just all we talk about. Yeah. Regardless of the like (laughs) two hours every week that we do it for the podcast. This is just all we do all the time. So it's fucking rad, dude. I love it. We're here for it. (laughs) Sweet. Okay. I I think this is a good place to wrap this up. That's cool to everybody. So Aaron, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. My pleasure. I got to say, Real quick, if you enjoyed this, we have all kinds of other awesome stuff on our Patreon, patreon.com slash Church James Now podcast. You can find us on all the socials at Church James Now. Uh, may all your favorite bands stay together. And of course, peace <laughs> out, Mon Frères. Peace out. That's it. Deuces. Sweet. So we're Fuck done. you guys. This is <laughs> <was> a word. <laughs>